Welcome to the Happy Menopause podcast. I'm Jackie Lynch, registered nutritional therapist and founder of the Well, Well, Well Nutrition Clinic, where I specialize in women's health and the menopause. There are so many ways that diet and lifestyle can help to relieve a whole range of menopause symptoms. And my new book, The Happy Menopause, Smart Nutrition to Help You Flourish, is coming out soon and available to pre-order in all the usual places. In the meantime, join me and my expert guests on a journey through midlife and find out how you can have a healthy and happy menopause. The menopause might be the end of a chapter, but it's also an opportunity for a whole new one. This stage of life can actually be transformative and enormously liberating on a number of levels because the hormones that have driven your decisions, your approach and your emotions since puberty start to take a back seat. It's an opportunity for a whole new perspective and a new start where you can become more aware of yourself and have the confidence and headspace to focus on your own choices. So that's exactly what we're going to explore in today's episode as I speak to the inspirational Camilla Dallarup. One of her many wise comments in this interview is that confidence is like a muscle that we go to the gym and train. So find out how you can increase your self-confidence and boost your motivation so that you're as happy and fulfilled as you deserve to be for the next phase of your life. But first, I'd like to give a quick shout out to my sponsor, Silk, who make it possible for me to produce this podcast. Their wonderful product can transform your intimate life because one of the midlife symptoms we don't often talk about is vaginal dryness. It can be a real problem during the perimenopause and the menopause, causing itching, discomfort and painful sex. So I'd like to say a big thank you to them, not just for supporting this podcast, but for offering a gentle and natural solution for women with vaginal dryness. Silk's plant-based formula is made in New Zealand with kiwi vine gum extract, which is a natural lubricant. It's water-based and pH friendly, so that it gently soothes vaginal dryness and irritation, helping you rediscover your love life. It's available at all chemists and off the shelf in larger boot stores. Visit silk, S-Y-L-K to order your free sample. And so on to today's episode. If ever there was a perfect person to talk to about transformation and new beginnings, it's Camilla Dallarup. Some of you may know her better as a hugely talented and much-loved star of Strictly Come Dancing in the UK. But she's here today in her other professional capacity. After winning the show in 2008, Camilla changed direction and decided to pursue a lifelong interest in psychology. She's gone on to launch a successful business as a life coach, hypnotherapist and meditation teacher, and has just published her third book, It's Not You, It's Me, How to Heal Your Relationship with Yourself and Others. There is no better person to talk to about building your confidence and taking care of yourself so that you can transform your life. Not only has she done it herself, but she has all the motivational and mind tools to help you do it too. So let's hear what she's got to say. Welcome to the Happy Menopause, Camilla. Thank you very much, Jackie. I'm excited to talk to you. Well, we're really thrilled you're going to be talking to us today. And to start out, what I'd like you to do is tell the listeners a little bit about your journey. You know, how did you start dancing and and what was life like as an elite professional dancer? 
I think I just had a, a passion for connecting to people, making people smile, um, knowing that when you did something, you could connect to other people. And so I became a performer and that performance uh, of choice at the time uh, happened to be dancing. And so I started dancing when I was two and a half. And then, you know, wow. by the time wow. I was 12, I was the champion and it became something that I was good at and it's quite interesting to me looking back now over my life because to be honest I never really felt like I fitted in when I was growing up and just yeah. you know where I was living and so I guess dancing became like my outlet my place of um sort of being in a meditative state and feeling like I did fit in um having that kind of expression through dance where you could sort of release those emotions and um I was teased a lot in school and, and, and bullied so I guess dancing became like my um my sort of safe place you know I became good at it because I worked really hard at it and I realized that it could be a tool to travel the world and that was exciting to me and uh, and it did I really saw the world um, you know with my dancing my, my partner and I traveled to 36 different countries to lecture and perform by the time we joined Strictly you know we we'd seen the world and it was it was a it was a magical journey really it was a really tough journey it was the one that I really did put my my body through <laughs> everything you know yeah. as an athlete really it's hard it was tough but I think anything at an elite level whatever sport you're in whether it's dancing or anything else it's an immense amount of hard work and real pressure on the body I yes. mean did you have ways of dealing with that yes I'm very lucky actually because I grew up in Denmark um, and this is something I fought for actually both in New Zealand and in England when I was representing um, both England and New Zealand in, in, on a world level in Denmark we were very lucky that uh, dancing was considered you know, a sport like any other sport, like football or, you know, swimming. And so we were offered um, actually guidance and help from when I was 16 years old. We were given sports psychologists to work with. We were given dietitian to work with. We were given chiropractor, physio, all of the help that we needed. So I feel extremely grateful for that advice because, to be honest, is what is what helped me, encouraged me to do the job I do today with the, with the mind because it made me fall in love with you know, the strength of the mind and all the mind tools, but also just knowing what you feed your body matters, whether you're an athlete or not. And it, it just, it trained me in what it meant to be an athlete. And it's helped me in life, really. Yes, I'm sure. And it must have been a huge help when you moved on to Strictly Come Dancing, because being an elite professional dancer at a very high level, at world level is, is one thing, and it's already a massive thing. But suddenly being thrust in the spotlight is quite another, isn't it? So I imagine that psychological support and the, the techniques you'd learn probably help with that. Absolutely, because just because you're a good performer uh, or even a, a, you know, um, a champion in dancing doesn't necessarily know uh, mean that you know the mindset of a beginner again, because it's been so long since you maybe worked with beginners. Because um, mm. a lot of the couples we worked with were already at a kind of certain level, so um, and we were teaching. So, so it very much helped me to kind of understand the mind and uh, the beginner's mind, and to work with the with, with the uh, celebrities on strictly. And that's what I found so fascinating. I just love the challenge of today. You know nothing about the waltz. You don't even know if it's a waltz or a, waltz or a tango. But to you know, by <laughs> by Saturday you'll know. You know, I, I just found that interesting, and it just kind of catapulted me even more on the path of I want to work with the mind. Um, right. I always found it more fascinating than the steps. 
Yeah, that's fascinating. So I have to come out here now and just admit that I am a full-on Strictly Superfan and that I watched it from the very first series and loved it so much. It actually inspired me to start dancing. And that's something I haven't mentioned to you in our previous chats. No, um, so uh, <laughs> not never very good, but massively enthusiastic. Um, so... Well, I started out with salsa because back in, I think, 2004, when Strictly first launched, ballroom dancing yeah. hadn't really taken off and there weren't many options. Um, so I did salsa for about five years. And then, of course, by that time, ballroom dancing in London had become a big thing. So I moved on to that because I got a bit bored of salsa. I mean, the music is this all is the amazing. same. <laughs> So, yes, and here you are now on my podcast, which I'm thrilled about. But what I really want to ask you is, you know, from Strictly then, you made a dramatic life change. And I think that's what we're really going to be focusing on as we talk through various points today, because you then moved on to become a life coach and a hypnotherapist. So what inspired you to make that big change? And, and tell us about what you're doing now. Yes, it's interesting because a couple of times in my life, um, I've considered studying psychology. I even signed up actually in 2005 or six, I think it was, to actually study uh, at the London University. Um, and uh, I started it. And that was just before Strictly took off in Series 3, like massively. And mm. I kind of just gosh what do I do now because I have this passion and I really want to do this but I'm also really enjoying life and I'm enjoying the fact that I've worked so hard to become an expert in, in an area of my life like dancing and and now it's taking off in this way so I decided to enjoy that ride and enjoy the journey and pause the studies so but even when I was a teenager I always um, really wanted to to study psychology or, or journalism so it's always been in my life and I used to always write motivational letters to my friend and friends and one of my friends actually reminded me of this recently she still have those letters and apparently reads them really? which is so sad. yeah and I would, oh, I would like cut out quotes from, <laughs> I know from magazines and and I just I, I've always had this um, curiosity about the mind and obviously the mind tools became a massive part of our career and I believe why we won sometimes uh, against other people in competitions because I, I really yeah. believed that it was so, so much more than dancing it was all about you know your mind and so so we sort of naturally uh, progressed through Strictly when I was reminded how much I you can achieve when you have when you kind of put the mind tools in with the dancing steps and obviously Tom Chambers who I won with he kind of confirmed that because he had a very positive uh, kind of yeah. mindset when it came to, to competing and visualization and all of that so I just decided I, I felt inside this deep pool it was really scary but I felt completely empty and I've, I shared this a lot it was a very scary time for me and I'm sure a lot of people can connect to this from different yeah. kind of it can throw you in this place in from different situations for me I was finally doing a job that I had dreamt of doing you know I was at the height of my career and I should be so happy and at the end of the day I was so empty and lost inside and I just kept hoping every day that I would fall back in love with this sport this you know um my dancing that I had loved for so long but I had completely fallen out of love like the way you fall out of love with a with a partner and um wow. you know in a relationship yeah. I was empty and so for about three years I kind of felt it was coming to an end but I kept denying it um because I just thought I, I can't face starting over like at 35 mm. this is crazy I've worked so hard for this however I had to follow that uh voice within the intuition that just Camilla you're done time to do something else and that was a scary yeah. jump and a, a lot of people were telling me that I was mad you know for leaving it behind 
But I also kind of believe that I was holding a space, to be honest, that was not for me anymore. It was for somebody else. And I wrote about this in my second book, Reinvent Me. It, it needed me to move on to do something else so I could leave a space open for someone else who had that dream. It was no longer my dream. I was, I was just, I was done. And um, there was no passion left. And so I um I just started um studying you know all the different kind of tools from hypnosis mindfulness NLP I just dived in I worked with a with a coach myself with a hypnotherapist for about three years to really understand how it feels yeah. yourself as well to turn yourself inside out and just well the rest is history I mean it was like everything that I'd ever used all the tools I'd ever used just suddenly clicked in and. To be fair, I mean, I, I hit a straight for a burnout at the same time, so I needed all the tools too, on a personal level, to to really sure. kind of figure out what was life to look like. And I didn't know, by the way, I had no idea what life would look like. I had no idea that I'll be be just now, you know, uh, publishing my third book. No idea, but I just knew there was a compass within that said, "Take the first step this way." We don't know how it's going to go. You don't know if you're going to ever make money from this or make a living, but you can't stay like this because you're not happy. That's incredibly inspirational. And I think particularly for our yeah. listeners who are going through midlife and because, you know, with the drop of all those reproductive hormones, which frankly have been driving women's choices since puberty, suddenly the space, the space to think about, you know, what you can do, changes you can make. And I think to hear your story and to hear the fact that, you know, you took your courage in both hands because instinctively you knew that it was right, even though, uh, it was obviously incredibly scary. I think that's that's incredibly impressive and, and very inspirational. It came with um, with huge sacrifices. I did realize that reinventing my life at that point and starting from scratch was not going to you know be easy in the sense of I, I had to make you know rearrange my life in the sense that I couldn't live in the house that I was living in. I couldn't do. I had to really scale back, as I call it, to scale forward. I was okay with that because the main thing for me was to find contentment within. And I just want to say that I think many things are possible if we're willing to sacrifice certain things in our lives for a while. In terms of what you're doing now, you're based in LA and you have a clinic? Yeah, I do. I have a life coaching hypnosis and meditation business. So I work, um, have my own business, Send Me TV. And then I work for a wonderful studio called Unplug Meditation, which was the first meditation studio in the world where only meditation takes place. I'm guessing you probably work with a lot of women in midlife. And I'm just wondering what you think are the biggest challenges and whether there are recurring patterns that you see when you're working with your clients. Yes, indeed. Very, very similar feelings to what I just said now. It's I have a lot of clients where the, 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 the kids are leaving for university and uh, suddenly they're like, oh, I've sort of spent my life doing this and now who am I now? And that was the question I asked myself. Who am I really now at this age? Um, and, and so it's the loss and, and sort of uh, new beginnings and, and, and starting to embrace that beginner's mindset again and, and, and in, in some way thinking, instead of thinking of it, oh, it's, it's sort of over. Yes, a chapter has finished, but so many things are just about to begin. And um, that's what really what I love about working with my clients is to see them take that step in the new direction of what they're passionate about and coming home to themselves in a new in a new way. It's it's really exciting. Yeah, that's that's great. And I suppose that brings us very neatly, actually, to to your latest book, which is called It's Not You, It's Me. And I think that's a fantastic title because I'm sure that's going to resonate with a lot of women in midlife. And what's interesting is that it's split into the four sections, 
self-awareness, self-acceptance, self-love and self-care. And that's so incredibly relevant for women going through the menopause. You know, what inspired you to write it and, and who are you speaking to? It really came quite natural because I realized that in, you know, in my practice, my clients will come in with different relationship situations, whether it was with their children or a boss or their partner, and really, you know, complaining about that situation or or those people and then realizing that, well, we can't do anything about them. We can only come back and see how can you work on yourself to either navigate away from that relationship if that's where you're meant to go or or understand how to be in that relationship and be okay in you to not be triggered by other people's stuff. And that really is is is, is fascinating, I think. And and I, coming back to um, when it you know when you sort of redefine yourself uh, in in midlife, it's it's a really interesting time, I think. And um and and there are so many tools that can help us really f- kind of flourish again in a new way. Hmm. Because I think one of the challenges that, that a lot of women have is is to simply accept the changes that do come with the menopause, yes. not just the physical changes, because they're frankly tough enough, but also the emotional changes, which can often come as a surprise, things like the loss of confidence, the anxiety. So, you know, what would you say to women who, who suddenly don't recognize themselves and maybe do feel a bit lost? I would say um, a couple of things. I would say sometimes there's a part of us that are grieving too. At least that's what happened for me when I was leaving and what I see with my class, leaving something behind that you thought was going to be forever kind of thing. You know what I mean? So taking time to go through whatever you're grieving or whatever that is that you you are leaving behind, that part of your life is done, but then to kind of reframe and come into what's next. I like to look at other people's stories that has been hugely successful in, in later in life. And I often mention somebody like Louise Hay, who hadn't even started her publishing house till she was late 50s. Right. And kind of wrote her first book in her 50s. And, um, and, 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 and I just think that's just a beautiful story to remember that we sometimes think, oh, well, that's it then, you know, but Honestly, there's so many beautiful stories out there where people have only just come into their own in their 50s and 60s. And I even write about a lady that became a poet just as she passed away at 105. Oh, my goodness. So I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's beautiful. You know, there's, things can happen. And I think confidence is, um, is an interesting one. And if I've learned one thing about confidence, having told it all the way through through life in dancing yeah. and now teaching it from a kind of more inside out place, is that confidence is like a muscle that we go to the gym and train. Confidence comes back to us or we build it up by simply doing the things that frightens us a little bit. And I think if we can just be okay knowing today when I do that thing for the first time, it's not going to feel comfortable. So there is like an acceptance of it might feel awful, but you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. And when we've done that a few times, we're kind of like, oh, this doesn't feel so bad now because it's a muscle that we train. So I think there's an acceptance in being okay with it not feeling amazing in the beginning. Um, and then just allowing it to build slowly. It's not like some sort of switch you switch on and off, although I do I do help people through hypnosis to kind of strengthen it. But to know that it's it, it comes with doing it, going through the uncomfortableness, as I say, you get to that comfortable, confident place. That is really interesting because I suspect, um, even though what you just said about the the publisher in her 50s and the the poet in her hundreds if you can call it that um 
people, I think some women might be thinking, well, yes, but that's the sort of thing that happens to other people and not to me. And I wonder if yeah. that whole notion of self-love in, in your book, whether that's where it comes in so that women um, need to sort of really think that they've got that potential so that they can get into that happy state and, and make the most of what's quite a, a transformative time in life, really. I totally agree because I think the way we speak to our, ourselves, like self-love, is part of that. You know, I think it's easy to kind of start putting ourselves down and say sort of negative things like, well, you know, I'm older now, so it's not going to be so easy for me and kind of start introducing these limited beliefs. Yes. Because often those are the ones we've heard around us. Those are the things we maybe have seen in, the, in a newspaper article or heard from a friend. You know, it's more difficult now. But is it though? But what if we just reframe it and start saying, actually, you know, I'm going into this in a new way and I have all of this experience. So I'm going to use my experience and I'm going to use the fact that I know myself better to do differently. I know for myself, when I hit 40, I honestly just thought, gosh, this is amazing. I really felt something huge shifted within me because it was like all that insecurity of knowing who you are, like, you know who you are and you know what you will accept and won't accept. Yes. Like your boundaries yes. is different. Yeah. Embrace that even more. I mean, that's that's awesome to know that. Yeah, that's, that's a great message because I feel very much, I love being in my 50s and I love the, the, the confidence that that brings me. And that's why I've called this podcast The Happy Menopause because I think, you know, every woman deserves to have a happy menopause and, and to accept that this is, a, this is a new stage in life, but it can be an incredibly positive one. Yeah, totally. So exciting, especially now, you know, there's so many people that talk about how life starts late and people have children later. I mean, everything is moved anyway. There's no kind of age, I don't think. For sure. I think that's changed a lot, actually, compared to when I was a child and I looked at people in their 50s. They, you know, they, they dressed a certain way. They had certain attitudes. I think I think everything's become a lot more modern and life is longer and we can really make the most of every second of it, which I think is so important. And we have like a, mo a lot more knowledge, like you, you know, with diet and exercise. Like we, we, we're much more aware now on the effects that that has on our hormones and our bodies as well and our minds. You know, there's so much out there. Yeah, for sure. And that brings me really neatly to the next thing I wanted to ask you about, actually, because one of the biggest challenges I think I face in my nutrition clinic is um, that women are pretty much hardwired to look after everyone and everything else except themselves. So their health and well-being you know, really takes a back seat at a time in life when, frankly, it's more important than anything that they're focusing on their diet, their lifestyle, their, their work-life balance. You know, it's all about self-care. So you know, what strategies do you teach your clients to make sure they're taking proper care of themselves? So this is interesting that you say that. And, and, and really, I think it's, 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 it's a sort of all-round approach. I tell them that just like when I was an athlete, that everything matters. The food, the exercise and the mind tools that we use is an all over approach. And the self-care, when you get older, even more, I don't know, I think so. Um, it's just vital. It's everything. We can't, we can't do what we need to do every day if we don't look after ourselves. Self-care for me now, and I know this to some of my friends, by the way, they, they think that this is somehow selfish, but I have to have my self-care planned out. And I teach all of my clients the same because 
with the busy schedules we have, if we don't put time in our diaries for self-care, it's not going to happen. And I don't care if that yeah. self-care is, is a walk with your dog, you know, three times a week or seeing a friend or is having a hot bath twice a week for 20 minutes on your own. I don't care what it is, but it needs to go in the diary because if it doesn't, it'll be one of those, oh, it can wait. And then you're off looking after someone else. However, when you're on the floor emotionally and you're tired and drained, who's going to pick you up? Yeah, absolutely. You can't help anybody. So for, for sure. me, self-care now is absolutely non-negotiable. Um, my, my dad passed away last year and if, and I have taught so many other people how important self-care in, is in situations like that. And I got to really see that for myself. And it just highlighted it even more. I am not willing to look after any anyone, including my clients, unless I have looked after myself because I simply can't be of service in the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I think the loss of a parent at any age is really tough. And often when it comes to us, you know, in adult life, in midlife, it can hit really hard, actually, because I think it's a reminder of so many things. So I think it's great that you focus on that and that you really look at putting yourself first, because the truth is, I think that, that most women are pretty much the heart of the family or the community or whatever it is that their context is, however they're living. And if you're not right, if you're falling apart, then nothing else is going to work. So if for no other reason that, you know, the, your loved ones need you, you've got to do the self-care. It's so important. Yeah. But let's just remember, I headed straight for a burnout at 35, which slapped me in the face and just knocked me out. So that was how yeah. I realized that, yeah. oh, this strategy of I'll do this, I'll do the yes, 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 is clearly not working for me. And I do not want to be there again. So... I, I can feel, we, we have these feelings in our bodies, like I'm quite tired and we have the option of pushing through or pausing. And yes. m most of us have this athlete attitude, oh, we'll push through and then we'll deal with it later. Well, then we come down with a cold or we're not feeling well or mm -hmm. mentally we don't feel well. I personally don't feel well mentally if I, had, if I haven't had my eight hours sleep. It's quite simple. I will know about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important to recognize that because we all have different things that we know we are better when we have them. And I think part of that is actually having the confidence to say no, so that you're not overburdening your schedule. And like self, self-awareness in the book is all about be really becoming self-aware and listening to how, why am I having so, such different thoughts today than I was having yesterday, perhaps? Oh, well, I didn't eat well. Or did I, did I have the amount of sleep I really should have? Did I pause for myself? Like to really become aware of what your body is telling you all of the time and kind of yeah. start living life accordingly. Because as they say, we have three brains. We discuss this all the time in LA. You know, we have our actual brain, the brain in our heart with our feelings guiding us and the gut brain. Yes. You know, the body is t constantly telling us, and you you know this from food. I mean, food will tell yeah. us if we eat something, oh, it's not sitting right. What's not sitting right? You know? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it all, it's all about being mindful, really, isn't it? Awareness of what's going on with you and your own body, um, which I know is a big totally. part of, of, of what you do and the work that you do. And I know that um, mindfulness can be incredibly helpful with some other sort of key areas in the menopause, the, the issues of the, you know, the highs, the lows, the mood swings, the emotional roller coaster. You know, it's very hard for women who are affected by that. Do you think that mindfulness can directly support and, and help people in those situations? Absolutely. I, I mean, I've seen mindfulness exercises help people both uh, in, in, in the midlife, uh, you know, scenarios and anxiety, panic, all sorts of 
situations because we're connecting to the breath and we're also allowing all feelings to be valid. This is something that was quite big for me, especially coming from a sports background where you become quite good at just pushing things aside because you've got a competition, so get on with it, you know. But later mm. in life, I really learned that acknowledging and giving how we're feeling the name, like, wow, I've woken up today and I feel absolutely awful. Giving that kind of that time or I'm feeling sad today. I don't quite know why I'm feeling sad, but I'm feeling sad. Okay, I'm going to be just sort of okay to to be with this feeling today. That was big for me. And there is a, actually an exercise in my book where I talk about how we like to label things as, as human beings and how mm. through this mindfulness exercise, you can label it just with pleasant, unpleasant and neutral. Right. And so when you do that, like let's say you're waking up one morning, you really feel completely off. You feel terrible. You're sad maybe or irritated. You'd literally just, when those thoughts pop into your mind, you go unpleasant unpleasant then suddenly you might have like a you see the dog and you're like pleasant you got another bad feeling you get unpleasant and as you're labeling and giving it space to be it yeah. sort of starts to move it starts to become less if that makes sense because you're right. allowing it to be not pushing it aside or down right right yes accepting it and then moving on yes do you think you could lead us through a, a short guided mindfulness exercise and the listeners and me can all take part in that yeah I think we should do one. This is actually one that's become my favorite this year because we we ask everybody else, how are you? How are you? How are you? And we forget to ask one important question that we're going to ask now. So if you could just close your eyes and take a deep breath in. Right. And if it feels right to you, put your hands over your heart. And as you breathe in next, just silently in your mind, ask, how am I? How am I feeling in this moment? And just allowing whatever thought comes forward to be there. Acknowledge it. And as you take the next breath in, if it was a negative word, just ask yourself, is there anything I can do for myself today that will support me in a positive way? And then just listen. And then we're going to say something kind to ourselves. We're going to say, may I be safe. May I be loved. May I be healthy. May I be safe. Taking a deep breath in. And just coming back and opening your eyes. That's a morning ritual that I advise anybody to do as they wake up in the morning before they talk to anybody else, before they get they, they reach for their phone and just tune in to yourself and know how are you feeling today? Give Honor yourself in that way. Know that you deserve to check in with yourself first before you look after anybody else. 
That was great. And I know you said it was a morning ritual. We're actually recording this on a Friday afternoon. I have to say, everyone, it's also a really good one for a Friday afternoon. It's very calming and centering. So thank you very much for sharing that with us. So, Camilla, tell us, if people want to find out more about what, what you do or work with you, where can they find you? Do you work remotely? Where are you? I'm in LA, where people can see me in person or online. Uh, sendme.tv is my website. And obviously, my book is not used me. It's available on Amazon worldwide. Um, and I do also have a podcast, Me, My Relationships and I, uh, where I discuss different things. And hopefully, Jackie, you'll be my guest on there. That will um, be great. At some point. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So I will be sure to put links to um, your website, your podcast and uh, your social media on the show notes page of the website so that um, all the listeners know exactly where to find you and how to contact you if they'd like to work with you. Because I have to say, it sounds absolutely amazing. Thank you. (laughs) So um, finally, to wrap up, I always ask all my guests, what top two tips would you give the listeners um, to help them have a, a happy and healthy menopause and to really make the most of their potential at this stage in life? So, Camilla, what would you say? Um, I would say that looking after yourself, self-care and self-love is not selfish. It's your right. And to know that you have something about you, and I talk about this in the book, that is completely unique to you. And, you know, your your voice matters and in this world. And everything that you have matters because that uniqueness will is your niche. And so figure out how to um, how to serve that into the world in the way that's right to you, because everybody in this world matters. That's amazing advice. Thank you so much. Thanks very much for joining us. I know how busy you are and um, it's just been brilliant talking to you. I wish we could do it all over again. I know. So Thank thanks you. for joining us, Camilla. Thank you, Jackie. What a wise woman. I could listen to Camilla all day long. So many things to take away from that conversation. But one of the big ones for me was when she said we can't do what we need to do every day if we don't look after ourselves. Self-care is so important. So think about that over the next couple of days and see what simple changes you could make to improve your own well-being. If you'd like to find out more about Camilla's books and her other work, head on over to the podcast page on my website, well-well.co.uk where you'll find all the links you need in the resources section of the show notes for this episode. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do leave a star rating and a review on Apple iTunes or whichever platform you listen on. And make sure you tell all your friends. It makes a huge difference to the visibility of the podcast and really helps to spread the word. Because every woman deserves to have a happy menopause. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.